Well, hey there, everybody. Thanks for clicking on and joining us today. If you were planning on worshiping with us in person, then you've already received an email to let you know that today's service was going to be a little different than what you expected. And if you've just clicked online because you were going to worship with us virtually, it's probably taken you about two seconds to realize that this Sunday, this service is a little different than past Sundays and most Sundays, because most Sundays I am not standing with this backdrop behind me. I'm standing in our worship area over at the church and I'm obviously not there today, right? We, we haven't done like a massive building project to renovate the whole worship space to make it look like this over the past week or so. Uh, but, but here has, something has happened. Here's some information about what's happened uh, over the past week or so and even over the past hours as far as COVID-19 and its impact on uh, some of our staff. And so let me just read this to you. I want to make sure it comes out the way that I want it to. And so let me just kind of tell you what's going on. Today is Saturday and it's December 19th. It's about 1.45ish or so in the afternoon. <clears throat> and last night, Friday evening, a member of our staff learned that they had had significant exposure to COVID within the past several days. That staff member is presently quarantining and they're going to get tested this afternoon. And as we've learned that information yesterday in keeping with CDC guidelines and our own internal policies about what to do and what we're gonna do in cases of COVID exposure and to keep you safe and to keep our team members safe as the staff members had interactions with several different volunteers and team members throughout the past couple days, we've obviously decided to go ahead and close down our facility for this weekend. And so we're not worshiping there live. We're not filming anything there live. We're here together doing it this way. And we're presently assessing and figuring out what to do with some of our other services that are scheduled for later on coming up next, you know, in the next few days, we have some Christmas Eve services we're very excited about, but are thinking through what we're going to do with some of those and the impact on some of those. And so, so today we're hanging out in my living room by my Christmas tree that may or may not be a little crooked, but you can't tell that from this angle. Um, we've set up like this mini movie studio here and we've got some exciting things to talk about of God's word. I'm looking forward to that. At any moment, here's my disclaimer, my neighbor's dog right over there could start yelping or the Amazon delivery guy could come to the door right there and start pounding on it. And hey, that'd be exciting if it happens, right? And if it does, we're going to navigate it and figure out what to do. But here's the great thing that God's word and the power of his word it still is just as effective no matter where it's being studied or being delivered from. And so I'm excited about having this opportunity today to open up God's Word like we always do and to see what lessons we can learn from that. And so I'd ask you to join me in prayer and then we're going to jump right into the, the sermon and the text this morning. Uh, Father, you're sovereign and you know all things 
and there's a bunch of folks in our church and our community and our lives who they have circumstances that are hitting them from all different angles and they're just trying to adjust and figure out what to do and i pray that as a lot of us are going through those things father that you'll give your peace you'll give your guidance that you'll help us to remember that you deeply love us and you deeply care for us and that our trust in you will be built up during this time father you have something from your word for us today and so i pray that your word will work we know it's active we know it's relevant and so god even today will you work through your word into the true story of what happened thousands of years ago when the son came to earth in the person of jesus and we want him to be honored and glorified and we want to live our lives well for you and think well of you and so help us in these moments father through the power of the holy spirit so that jesus will be honored and glorified and it's in his name that we pray amen well hey we're, we're just a little bit away from christmas right and one of the big words that we talk about during the christmas season is the word peace peace it's, it's, it's woven within Christmas. It's on your Christmas cards. If you have ornaments on your tree, some of them probably say peace, like some of mine may see, say. And here's the great thing this morning, right? I have stumbled upon a profound truth. I mean, this is earth shattering, right? I don't often have profound truths, but this past week, I've stumbled upon something that's going to change your life, right? And I was scrolling through my Instagram feed, the different folks that I follow on there, and there was this advertisement that popped up. And so here, I want to share this with you, right? It should pop on the screen now, but if you've ever wondered where you can find peace, here it is, right? Look at that red coffee mug that's probably popped up, and here's what you may not have known. But if you may not have known this, here's where it promises, right? It says, I will find peace within this mug. So, man, I should write a book. You should write a book about this. For people who are struggling with peace, run down to the shop, right? Get you some Folgers, throw it in a red cup, and there is where you will find peace. The, the reality is that probably for many of us, don't you kind of wish that it was that simple? Don't you kind of wish sometimes in your life that finding peace was as simple as grabbing a coffee mug and drinking whatever was inside it and boom, instant guarantee of peace. That may be a great marketing plug to get people to buy more Folgers coffee, but it falls short on delivering what it promises. Peace is something that many of us yearn for that is much more elusive than simply drinking a cup of coffee. And this morning, what we're going to do together, you and I, we're going to think about the events of the Christmas story, and we're going to think about what did they reveal about peace? Can we have peace? Are there different kinds of peace? What's the relationship between peace, the promise of peace, and the circumstances that we may face? And what should we do in different moments when things that we face, when the circumstances of life are not peace giving. We're going to kind of wander through that as we continue our Hope Because series. And then here's what we're going to see this morning, that you and I today can have hope because peace is offered. Peace is not only woven through our Christmas cards today and through the songs today and through ornaments in our tree today, but peace was kind of this core fundamental reality and value that was mentioned and is talked a lot about throughout the Christmas story. One of the most significant places where we kind of see this emphasis on peace that can come 
because of the Christmas story, is when the angels make their big announcement to the shepherds. And here's what we read about that announcement in Luke 2, verses 13 through 14. The backstory is the shepherds are in the field, and here's what the text said. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those with whom he is pleased. So, so here's kind of the first reality. Here's the first truth from this part of the Christmas story. The first promise is this, that God absolutely promises peace. God absolutely promises that you and I can have peace. And so the question becomes, okay, if that's a promise that God made to some characters in the Christmas story, well, did everybody in the Christmas story experience peace? Was their story, were their experiences, were their moments peace-giving as they lived the Christmas story with this promise of peace in the backdrop for them? Well, the reality is that it wasn't. That for many people in the Christmas story, that their circumstances of their life were anything but peace-giving, and yet in the backdrop, in the behind those circumstances, there's this promise from God that he gives peace. Let's think just for a little bit about what Mary was experiencing. We, we read a little bit about Mary if you flip your pages over to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, we read this. In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And in order to kind of understand whether Mary was feeling peace or not, we need to understand a little bit about this status in which she found herself. What does this mean to a virgin betrothed? What's the deal with that big fancy word betrothed? Well, here's what the betrothal situation was in this day, in this culture, the a betrothal was a legal arrangement. It was a contract that was arranged between two different parents for their children to get married. So a, a girl's parents and a boy's parents, they would make a contract that their two children one day would eventually wed. There'd be something called the betrothal ceremony. And the betrothal ceremony would be when this contract was kind of finalized and when it was formed. And then a significant period of time after that would be the actual marriage ceremony itself. So the legal agreement is signed. The paperwork's done. They're now betrothed. They're legally committed to marry. Some period of time after that, they're actually going to have the wedding. Between the betrothal ceremony and the actual wedding, the husband, the, the bride-to-be and the groom-to-be, they would live apart. But even though they would live apart, their level of commitment to each other was expected to be the same. They were supposed to be faithful. They were supposed to be pure during that period while they were waiting to be married. In that culture, if a woman during the betrothal period was found to be unfaithful to her husband-to-be by being with somebody else, that was considered to be adultery. And most girls, interestingly, got betrothed around 12 to 13 years of age. And so Mary at this young age was betrothed, right? There was this husband-to-be, and what did Mary find out was her situation? What was the news that she learned? Well, the angel continues, and he told him the news in verse 30, and he says this. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This young girl, this teenager, who was betrothed and waiting to be married, what she learned is she was pregnant. Now, now this news, right, she learns that she was pregnant with the Messiah, and there was excitement, and there were all sorts of wonderful things about this, but there were also things about this news, there were also realities about her being pregnant that would not give her peace, that would not cause the circumstances of her life to necessarily be peace-giving. There, there were all sorts of implications from this reality that would affect different parts of her life. Let's think for a minute about her relationship with Joseph, her relationship with her husband-to-be. Well, her husband is going to think that she's been unfaithful to him. Her husband's going to think that she cheated on him. During the betrothal period, if you wanted to break the contract, the way you would do that was through getting a divorce. And probably what Mary was realizing was, man, when Joseph finds out and he thinks that I've been unfaithful and been with somebody else, he's going to act to divorce me. And interestingly, you can read in Matthew 1.18, that's actually what he planned to do, that Joseph realized that Mary was pregnant. He knew that he wasn't the dad. He thought someone else was the dad, and he planned to divorce her. Having your husband-to-be planning to divorce you, having your husband-to-be think you've been unfaithful, man, there's probably not a lot of peace in that. This reality would have all sorts of impact upon her reputation because people would think that, man, she'd been messing around, right? That, that she was having a baby out of wedlock, which would cause people to speak badly about her and think badly about her. There was impact on her plans. If you've ever been interacting with or talking to a, a young girl and a couple who's planning their marriage, there's all sorts of excitement about what the wedding's going to be like, about what life's going to be like after the wedding. And Mary probably had all these plans and dreams about what that wedding day was going to be like, what she and Joseph were going to do in their first year of marriage, their first house. All of those dreams, when she heard this news, they started to get shattered because the story now wasn't going in the direction that she had planned it to go. And that wouldn't have necessarily caused peace. And probably she would have had some fear because there was a potential impact on her actual life. Because in the Old Testament law that was still governing, if you want to read it after the sermon, Deuteronomy 22, verse 23. Deuteronomy 22, verse 23 required that if there was a betrothed virgin who slept with another man who wasn't her husband, that she was to be stoned. And so Mary may have been worried about even a fear to her life. And, and not only all those things in the background, but Mary's living situation quickly changes. Here's what we read, right? Mary receives this news, and then what we see happen, verse 39 of Luke chapter 1. She's just learned the news, and then this is what happens. In those days, Mary arose. And she went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. What we know happens is once she received this news, Mary decides to leave her house, and she heads out of town, and she goes to live with an old priest and his wife. Now, now we don't know why Mary did that. We just know for whatever reason she did that, her whole living situation changed. She headed out of town. She got out of Dodge. And she was there for several months. Each of those realities would have been circumstances and would have been moments 
and would have been what mights and what coulds that would have deprived Mary of a, perhaps a sense of peace. The news that she was going to carry the Messiah was amazing. But so many of the circumstances that were then around that would not have been giving peace to her. They weren't peace-giving circumstances. And so, well, maybe, maybe I've missed it, right? Maybe the angel's announcement, it, it only replies and, and applies to people who after Jesus, right? So after the baby Jesus is born, maybe after he's born, the people in the Christmas story are going to have peace, right? Before it, their circumstances may be crazy, but after baby Jesus is born, man, all the circumstances of their life are going to align so they don't have any worry, they don't have any concerns. Well, is that what happens? No. Because after Jesus is born, what Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus face are a bunch of circumstances that probably would not have been naturally peace-giving. Matthew chapter 2, we read a little bit about what's happened. And so Jesus is born, the shepherds come worship, a period of time after that, the wise men come to worship Jesus. And then we read about what happens as soon as the wise men finish worshiping Jesus and they head out, this is what we read happened in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and he departed to Egypt. That, that word flee there, it's the, it's the word, it's the idea from which we get fugitive. The word flee is in the Greek text, it's, it's a present imperative, which means this ongoing kind of continuous action. It conveys that Mary and Joseph were going to have to get out of town, and it wasn't just going to be a one and done thing, but throughout the, the period of time that they were gone from Bethlehem, they were going to have to keep fleeing and keep hiding and keep being under cover. We read that Joseph and Mary left by night. This was really, really atypical to have people going on a journey by night. It was very dangerous, but the fact that Joseph got this news and instantly left that night shows just what a dangerous spot he was in. The dangerous spot he was in was that the king was on a quest to come murder his baby. It was about a 70-mile journey from Bethlehem to the border of Egypt, where they ended up going. And then actually to get to a place of safety in Egypt was probably about another, an additional 100 miles. I don't know if you've tried to go on a road trip with a baby, but it is not the easiest thing. It is not necessarily a peaceful situation when you're crammed in a minivan going on a road trip to see grandma and grandpa for Christmas with little toddlers who need to have their diapers changed and their sippy cups filled and they want to rewatch The Grinch again and they want a new movie and they want some Chick-fil-A and they want their sippy cup and their diapers. That is not the most peaceful situation, right? But imagine taking your wife and your new baby and going on this road trip, not to go do something exciting like see grandma and grandpa, but because you got to get out of town because there's this madman who's trying to kill you. And you're walking this journey of 75 miles or another 100 miles. You're leaving at night. And, and that is not a peace-giving circumstance. Fleeing in the middle of the night so that your baby won't be killed 
is not a circumstance that will naturally give you peace. And yet, despite the fact that Mary and Joseph and different people in the Christmas story had circumstances that wouldn't necessarily give to them peace, that, that didn't change the message that the angels gave about peace on earth. Peace on earth. This promise of peace. And so here's what we kind of see as we start reconciling those things. We reconcile this promise of peace with people in the story itself whose circumstances did anything but probably give to them peace. And we realize this one observation, this one takeaway, which is this, that peace is ultimately dependent upon something other than our circumstances being peace-giving. Peace. Peace is ultimately dependent upon something other than our circumstances being peace-giving. And maybe right now, as you're watching this on Sunday, or later in the week, or later in the year, maybe right now there's a bunch of you who, who you don't have peace, you have a ton of anxiety. And maybe the reason that you're not experiencing peace is because you've tied your peace to experiencing certain things in life. Or you've tied your peace to not experiencing certain things in life. Or you've tied your peace to having certain things in life. See, a lot of times, what, what I do and what you do is we tie our sense of peace to our circumstances. And if we have circumstances that give us peace, or circumstances that give us comfort, or circumstances that make our life easy, well, then we feel peace. Then we don't have anxiety. But then when life goes in a different direction, the curveball comes and suddenly the circumstances are not peace-giving. If we've anchored our hope of peace to our circumstances alone, then when circumstances come that aren't peace-giving, you know what we're filled with? We're not filled with peace. We're filled with worry. We're filled with anxiety. We're filled with fear that sometimes stifles us and kind of get trapped in the vortex of all the worries of what mights and what coulds and what we see and start to understand is this, that, that God's promise of peace goes beyond just promising that our circumstances will always be peaceful, right? God doesn't promise that our circumstances are always going to be peaceful. God doesn't promise that our circumstances won't be circumstances that could create anxiety. God doesn't promise that our circumstances are always going to be peace-giving. But what God does promise is that despite any circumstance and every circumstance and all circumstances, we can still have peace. And so what, what, what is this peace? If it's not circumstances that cause comfort, then, then what is God promising when he promises peace in the Christmas story. Well, we need to understand that the peace, when the shepherds, when I mean, the angels tell the shepherds, hey, there's peace on earth, there's two different kinds of peace that's being referenced there. The first kind of peace is peace with God. Peace with God. What God's promising to the Jewish people and to us is this, that hey, the hostilities, the distance, the separation that people that we have placed between us and God are stepping back from God, right? What God is promising is that because of Jesus, Jesus can bring forgiveness. Jesus can bring restoration. 
Jesus can bring redemption. Jesus brings peace with God. Romans 5.1 captures that idea and says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No more distance, no more separation, just closeness between us and the God who created us and the God who adores us and a relationship of peace with God. But, but there's another aspect, another nuance of the peace that the, that the angels are telling the shepherds, and that is peace that comes from God. The first peace that's being offered here is the peace with God. The second peace that's being offered is the peace that comes from God. And, and this has the idea, in the Old Testament, there's this idea of shalom, that God was a God who would give shalom. What that really means is this idea of, of wholeness, of completeness, of fulfillment, of God taking what was broken and even in the midst of brokenness, bringing healing and bringing peace, that we can have peace that comes from God. This idea is picked up in Philippians. The Apostle Paul writes about this. And I know a lot of you know this verse. It's probably one that a bunch of us have on our fridge, but there's maybe some of you who, who've never heard this verse. I mean, this verse is such an anchor in times it can be hard. And if you've not heard it before, you don't know it, I'd encourage you to put, commit this verse to memory. And here's what it says. Philippians 4, verses 4, uh, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know what, there's probably some of you who are listening to this today, who are watching this today, that you're just overcome with anxiety. And you have worry, and you have fear, and you have concerns, and you have circumstances that are shifting underneath you. And maybe, maybe the only reason that you clicked on today or you're watching this is because God wanted you to remember this verse or God wanted you to hear this verse for the first time. And he wanted you to know that no matter what you're facing today, no matter what you're worried about today, what he has told you and what he has promised you is this, that in everything, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. Some of our hearts may feel a little beat up today. And what God's trying to remind you of is that his peace that passes understanding is available to you and it will guard your hearts.
It's not a promise that God's going to give us every circumstance in life that is peaceful and that is anxiety-free, but it is a promise of God that no matter what circumstance of life we face, we can have peace that comes from him. And maybe the reason you're not feeling peaceful is because of just a change in circumstances. Change in circumstances. Like Mary, you had a plan all set, right? You're looking ahead to something. She was looking ahead to her wedding. She was looking ahead to this, this smooth betrothal, betrothal period. Maybe you've been looking ahead to something, something smoothly up to there, and it has shifted overnight. And there's circumstances where you feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe this Christmas isn't what you had hoped it could be for whatever reason. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe there's lots of reasons that you can be robbed of your peace. And whatever you may be facing, don't forget the fact that God has promised to you peace. Peace that comes from him and peace that you and I can have with him. So then one last question. In circumstances of life, that we all face that aren't peace-giving. In moments of life when things come that could cause us worry and as we're fighting against that, what should we do? What, what should our perspective be? How should we live? Well, I think Mary gives us an amazing example of that. And I love this line that Mary says. She, she's just heard the news that she's pregnant and, and she's processing in a mile an hour the amazing thing about the Messiah, but she's probably already run down the road of all the ways it's going to cause a negative impact. And then she responds to the angel, this 13-year-old, 14-year-old girl whose life has shifted overnight. In a great way, yes, but in a very difficult way, yes. And this is what she says as the circumstances have changed and as things may not be the most peaceful in her life in the coming months. She says this, and Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. He, here's what Mary realizes. You know what she realizes? She realized that God was in charge. And she realized that ultimately she was his servant. And her job was to obey. And her job was to trust. And, and she doesn't fight his plan. She doesn't complain. She doesn't say, what about all these things are going to be hard? You know what she says? She says, God, if that's what you have for me, then I submit to it. If that's what you have for me, I surrender to it. And if that's what you have for me, I'm going to trust you in the midst of it. So let's go. Here's how to respond in moments when the circumstances are anything but peace-giving as you're waiting to experience the peace that God has promised. You know how you and I can respond? Trust God's plan. Trust God's plan. So simple. So simplistic, so basic, so churchy, but absolutely so essential to you and to me as we navigate unknowns, we navigate anxieties, we navigate our plan shifting. We trust a God who never shifts and never changes, who does what is best, who knows what is good for us, and who loves us so, so deeply. So you know what I need to work on this week? I need to work on an attitude that's more like Mary's. 
I do. I need to work on an attitude where as I realize things don't always go the way I plan or as I realize what I should have realized like decades ago that I can't control everything. I need to be able to say to God from an honest place in my heart that I am your servant and let it be to me according to your word. That God, I submit to you. I trust you. I'll walk the road you have for me and I want to do so in a way that gives you glory. And you know what? Maybe that same response that I need to have is a response that perhaps some of you need to join with me and together that needs to be how we respond to what we face in our life. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what the circumstances are, but I know that there's a God into the heart of the Christmas story has promised peace and has promised that we can have peace with him and has promised that we can have peace that comes from him. And my hope for you, and if you have a family, my hope for your family is that you truly will experience divine peace, even today, in the midst of whatever you may be facing. Not linked with your circumstances, but anchor your peace to the love and the character of your Heavenly Father. L let me pray for you. And then we'll wrap up and we'll look forward to seeing you next week, wherever that may be. Uh, we'll be here somewhere delivering God's word and thinking of you, and we'll let you know how you can join us in on that. Let, let me pray for you. Father, for people even right now, whenever they're listening to this service, I pray that in a divine way, your Holy Spirit may give to them peace. I pray blessing, Father, upon people who are listening to this. I pray that and ask that your Spirit will draw us all closer and deeper to you, so that we won't worry, but instead we'll be more trusting. And Father, thank you for this opportunity to dig into your word. Thank you for the peace, the peace that you promise. Amen.